Hey there, nature lovers. Welcome back to another episode of the Birdie, I Mean Spooky Bunch podcast. This episode, just as a reminder, we do have a merch code going for the Spooky Bunch. That code is SPOOKY2022. And with that code at our merch store, you can get 15% off uh, some merch, which is really exciting. We have some really beautiful spooky designs, which uh, pretty classic stuff for the Birdie Bunch podcast. So go grab some merch and with that out of the way, let's get into it. Hey, nature lovers, welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, and fascination. But uh, this week, as per usual for the past couple weeks, we're also talking all things spooky. It's the Spooky Bunch. Uh, my name is CJ, and I'm joined by my two spooky co-hosts. My name is Matt. And I'm Spooky Brittany. And this week, we got some good stuff. So uh, keep uh, keep your eyes and ears spooked um how y'all how y'all doing i'm doing well entomology teaching is fun i have enjoyed it a lot and i have been learning a lot too particularly insect collection is definitely harder than i think uh someone realized you know we look at those dragonflies you're like oh those are dragonflies then you try and catch them and it's like oh trying to catch a dragonfly is really really hard so it's been very, very cool. I've enjoyed it a lot. And I'm having a good time right now. The students are doing really well. They're really passionate about it. And it's been cool to watch. Do you catch the dragonflies like SpongeBob catches the jellyfish? Because that's all I can picture with your little net and going. Whee! No, ironically, that's exactly what it is. Um, and very Wait, You're often, lying. That's not no. it. Yeah, it is. It is. I could even go grab the net right now if I wanted to go all the way to my other room. Wait, it, is it like is it like when I would like lead like macro and vertebrate dipping? Is it like the same sort of nets or is it like real like bug nets, like butterfly nets? It's butterfly nets. That's hilarious. We do have people using dip nets as well, mostly for skimmers because we're not doing any larval forms. Um right. but like yeah, it's literally just a bug net with, I will say, a telescoping handle. Um, that's hilarious and we have other nets for stuff like sweep netting which is where you like go through the brush and all that but specifically for the dragonflies it's just give me a butterfly net and hope for the best so yeah it is literally just jellyfishing i have a i have just a great visual in my head <laughs> i just will... matt romping with a net so fun like, romping in a field. like yeah yes like frolicking Mm. Frolicking, yes, absolutely. Oh, I can picture that. Unfortunately, man, for your visions, I have spent most of the time in the water, so there wasn't much frolicking. So, like frolicking, but splish splash edition. With the caveat that there's a lot of tripping and falling as well, because splish splash frolicking usually ends face first. Well, my week's been going fine, but that th this this image has made it all better so it's going how are you cj i'm all right i'm all right um work is slowing down just a smidge but i know it's going to pick up in the next few weeks so i'm enjoying my downtime while i can but you know we're uh we're, we're doing the best we can this week and that's what counts and that's what counts it's almost i think it's the week before halloween this week which is very exciting 
Yeah, I was wondering about everybody's Halloween costumes. I don't know yet. Um, I'm probably going to be a zoo employee. It's been for the past as... 15 years. Oh. It's, what it's worked for me ever since. What's the what's the Pokemon kid name? It's not Bug Catcher Joey because it's Youngster <laughs> Joey. You know what I'm talking about? I like, do know what you mean. Catchers. I think I, I might like go as that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Either like that. From Wear like extremely short shorts with like all like a khaki button up like a button up shirt. Yeah, that's <laughs> and then the, a goofy hat, a brimmed hat. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's pretty good. I got like a plush caterpie or something. Yeah. Oh wait. Either that or I might be Jerry Garcia. It's one of the two. Brittany. So yes. you and Adam. If you're looking for a couple's costume, Mothman and Lamb. Hear me out. Hear me out. Adam is the Lamb. But not only ordinary Lamb. If you want to not make it look like a couple's costume, what you do is you have him dress up like the Lamb from a Christmas story. That's hilarious. That is really funny. We are going most likely as Eddie and Chrissy. Oh, from Twilight. Oh, no. Chrissy, Chrissy, wake up. Yeah, I don't like this. And then we're dressing up the cats as bats, and Baloo's gonna go as a demigorgon. <laughs> oh, so the the cats are demibats then? Like not yeah. like okay, so the Stranger Things bats. Yeah. Chrissy, wake up. Those are excellent. Those are all excellent choices for costumes. Yeah, and then there's you, CJ, dressing up as your job. What do you mean? What? CJ, where do you work? I work at a place. Yeah, no. ever been dis- it's never been I disclosed like, on this podcast. No. It's never been disclosed on this podcast. I thought the former place hasn't been disclosed. Well, that also hasn't been disclosed. Yeah, no, I know that, <laughs> but I could have sworn. No, I've never said it. But didn't we do the cre- the the current event about the ones at the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I Did we never, never mention that? I didn't ever say that I worked there. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm allowed. To, I might be able. I might be allowed to. I just never have. I feel like they hired you on knowing full well that. Oh yeah, they fully did. Yeah, it's they not fully like... did. They asked me in the interview, "Tell me about the Birdie Bunch podcast." Oh yeah, yeah. It's not like that which shall not be named. Who sent essentially a cease and desist? <laughs> Basically, they did. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Carry on. Sorry. I did not mean to incriminate where you work. No, that's okay. I truly, I truly do not care. CJ's going as a, what, a pizza joint employee too? That's me. Mamma Mia. <laughs> Here I go again. But anyway, uh, let's jump into our first segment, which is, of course, the Creatured Featured. What if we were to swing into it instead? Oh. <laughs> what if what if you know in in i was gonna make it i was gonna make a i want to be like you joke but that's not our creature feature yeah it is not according to the new (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but i'll be the jungle vip wow 
Brittany's trying to make jokes these days, folks. Get ready. It's a whole I'm new world. I'm funny. I'm funny now. Um, I actually quick. won't make that claim. <laughs> <laughs> that, ironically, is, I think, the funniest thing you said. <laughs> I actually won't make that claim. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if um, listeners, if you couldn't guess at all of the uh, Jungle Book jokes, we are in fact talking about the orangutan today for our creature feature orangutans are great apes so they are closely related to humans they've got about 97 percent of um, their dna and our dna in common so unfortunately orangutans are critically endangered and a big part of that is due to humans between uh palm oil and logging um there's lots of different things um, humans have done to interfere with their population, um, whether that's getting rid of their homes or whatnot. But orangutan, orangutans are um, a large ape. They can weigh up to 200 pounds. Um, and the orangutan, the actual word orangutan means man of the forest. Orangutans are very intelligent. They are, have been known to use tools to be able to, to um, get food or to solve puzzles. We've talked a little bit about orangutans here on the podcast when we talked with Wild Think and we talked about their vending machines. But uh, we've also, I believe, talked about them a little bit with Veronica Seawall. Um, and when she came on the podcast, which is pretty cool. Um, but they're really intelligent. I've seen them create like basically a stick out of straw trying to get treats. They're very, very smart and very, very cool. And unfortunately, critically endangered. And we'll kind of get to talk a little bit more later on this episode about about it. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to talk about some of the conservation issues facing the orangutan. Thanks for that creature feature, Brittany. That was fabulous. Um, any thoughts, Matt? I'm just mad because all the illusions that we made towards the Jungle Book made me think that our creature feature was the Gigantopithecus, and then here we are with the orangutan. Oh, I mean, the Gigantopithecus is pretty spooky, but mm-hmm. not quite as spooky as likely what's going Walken. on. Christopher <laughs> Walken. Not likely as spooky as what's going on in current events. Hopefully it's a good one this week, but who knows? Matt, take it away. Today's current event is brought to you from a lot of news places. Uh, I found a pretty good article from wfaa.com slash article slash news slash local slash Texas professor discovers new bird species in Chile. Um, And the article is called basically Texas professor discovers new bird species in Chile. In case you're not positive what that means, there was a Texas professor and they described a new bird species in Chile, specifically in an island actually off the coast of southern Chile. So what they found was this new little bird known as the subantarctic rayadito. First of all, I think that name's really fun. But before that, scientists had only been able to identify two bird species in that genus, the genus being um, called Afrastura, which are the rayaditos. One was found in the Juan Fernandez archipelago 
in the Pacific Ocean off of Chile and the other in the forests of Patagonia, which is basically the southernmost tip of South America. This is like basically the closest you can get to Antarctica without be, being actually in Antarctica. And they were studying a completely different species of bird actually when they discovered it. They were studying the gray-headed albatross, which nests and inhabits the Diego Ramirez archipelago. And what they noticed was that there was this little rayadito, which is this little bird that kind of stands like um, if you've seen pictures of the the fairy wrens in Australia. It's got a very cocked up tail and it's this little poofy bird. Um, but rather than being the bright blues and such of the um, the superb fairy wrens, uh, it's kind of like brown with yellowish streaks on it. And it's actually a pretty, pretty cool looking bird. They... Uh, developed this new species based off of genetic sequencing, but also had this hypothesis because um, two things. The first being that the bird looks different than the ones that could be seen in um, actually the mainland. And what they noticed was that it was a larger bird, shorter tails, larger body mass. And then on top of that, they also found that they behave really differently um so rather than being tree nesters these birds actually nested in ground cavities mainly at the base of these albatrosses nests in non-forested habitat and the reason that this was so surprising is because apparently the rayaditos on the mainland are actually almost exclusively forest dwellers while this island has absolutely zero forest it has zero mammalian predators it is all grassland all the way through. So it's pretty wild to see that we have this little bird that popped up on this archipelago that was being studied. And all of a sudden, there's this new species that's, by all accounts, completely and incredibly different from stuff that it diverged from. So needless to say, it's really cool. It's really cool to see because that kind of conservation status of a new species could even bear some credence towards protections on this island. Uh, but needless to say, it's very cool to see that we are still discovering new things, even as large as like vertebrate birds, which is wild. You know, it's not like they had seen this bird and they were like, oh, well, I guess we'll split it up finally. Uh, like they've talked about doing with stuff like the cardinal and all that. This is, hey, this bird's really different. This is something new. And I think that's fabulous. I will also say, if you go to this news page currently at the bottom, there is a link to a video titled Goats Caught in Alabama Deputy's Car. And I think that's really fun too. But nonetheless, the sub-Antarctic sub Rayadito has not only a fun name, but a fun discovery story. And by the looks of him, a very fun personality. You know I love a funky little bird. That was actually my nickname in high school. Was funky little bird. Um, <laughs> anyway, I really looked up this bird, and it's really, really cute. Um, it does, in fact, remind me of the fairy wren from Australia. So I appreciate you saying that. It's funny because the the first picture I found of it wasn't in this article, and the that the picture I'm referring to is the one that looks very much like a fairy wren, where it's like got that little puffed up kind of stature and then the the tail cocked very up the first picture i saw was of one that they banded that was very clearly going through molt and by god it's the ugliest ugliest 
little picture of the poor guy and the fact that that was the first described picture of this little sucker is like oh man that sucks because it looks rough it looks really rough incredible well thanks for sharing that pretty good current event um now we're going to jump into our main topic for today so let's uh let's get excited for that So we are here now uh, for our interview with Debbie Clemens. Debbie, so glad to have you here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so hello, everyone. My name is Debbie Clemens, pronouns she, her. And I'm a conservation biologist from the Chicagoland area. I've been living and loving in the world of orangutan conservation since about 2010. And for the past three and a half years, I've been working with orangutan outreach. And Orangutan Outreach is a U.S.-based charity that is focused on wild orangutan conservation. I'm the outreach coordinator, so I work to educate people and raise awareness on the plight of wild orangutans with the goal of motivating people to take some type of positive action for the orangutans. Love that. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to see you. I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> that we have you here. So just to kind of get like a general idea of um, like what palm oil is, can you explain kind of what it is and just give us a general like one-on-one, -on -one, like one-on-one -on, -one sure. on what yeah. palm oil might be? Absolutely. So palm oil is a type of edible vegetable oil, which is used in many, many products, many foods, as well as cosmetics and household products. And it can also be a source of biofuel. So the African oil palm tree is planted across huge areas, mostly in Borneo and Sumatra. And the fruit from the trees is harvested to obtain palm oil. And it's in huge demand. And the problem here is that an incredible amount of rainforest is being destroyed in order to create palm oil plantations. So, let me give you a, a quick geography lesson for people who may not be aware. I know this was very confusing for me when I started working in Southeast Asia. So the islands of Borneo and Sumatra are in Southeast Asia. The island of Sumatra belongs to the country of Indonesia. The island of Borneo is multinational with most of it belonging to Indonesia, some of it belonging to Malaysia, and a small part belongs to Brunei. Okay, so Borneo and Sumatra are the only places in the world where orangutans live. All right, so stay with me here. Sumatran orangutans and Tapanuli orangutans live on the island of Sumatra, which is Indonesia. Bornean orangutans live on the island of Borneo, so they could be in the country of Indonesia or in the country of Malaysia. And this is important when talking about palm oil and orangutan conservation because we're dealing with two different governments. So palm oil is also grown in Africa, which is where it's native, and also in areas of South America. So it, you know, it's getting to be problematic in other areas as well, but the vast majority is grown and produced in Borneo and Sumatra. Um, so the 
unsustainable way in which the palm oil industry operates is the big issue. Palm oil itself is not the enemy. It's actually a good crop and it's able to produce more oil per hectare than other crops such as soy. Um, so if we got rid of palm oil somehow completely and soy took its place because we'd still need an edible vegetable oil, right? So something like soy took its place, then even more land would be needed and that would create an even bigger crisis. So the better option is to demand that the palm oil industry function sustainably. It is possible to produce palm oil in a more sustainable way, starting with reusing degraded land rather than clear cutting more and more forest. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I really appreciate that geography lesson. I think that's really vital. Earlier in this episode, we did talk a little bit about kind of some general bio biology about orangutans and some general okay. facts about them. So I think that geography lesson is a little bit helpful here for some right. context. And explaining the significance of palm oil is huge, right? So, I mean, how is it impacting wildlife specifically? Can you chat on that? Sure. Um, so palm oil manufacturers are destroying the rainforest in order to create palm oil plantations. So to put it simply, the animal's home is being destroyed, leaving some of them with nowhere to go. Um, additionally, the palm oil industry involves plantations and mills. Now the plantations, right, right where all these trees are planted, for miles and miles and hectares and hectares. The plantations use herbicides and pesticides since that palm oil tree is not a native species. So they really, you know, have to use more herbicides and pesticides. And these can get into the groundwater, right? And then at the mills that extract and refine the palm oil, wastewater is created it's called palm oil mill effluent and it has highly polluting properties. So if, if not treated properly, it will pollute the environment, as does the smoke from the mills as well as they're doing the processing. So massive deforestation is the result of the palm oil crisis. And there are hundreds of birds, mammals, and fish species that are affected by the palm oil industry, especially since if we're talking about pollution and it gets, say, into the water and then, you know, the whole food chain is affected. But so many species are affected. And these we're talking about a hugely um, an area of huge biodiversity. So there are thousands and thousands of species and they're all affected in one way or another. But orangutans suffer more due to their ecology. So I, I can explain a little bit about that. Now you said you had talked a little bit earlier about orangutan ecology. Yes, so, please. No, go yeah. ahead. So go let's ahead. put it all together. All right. So we know orangutans live in trees. So loss of habitat means loss of living space and loss of fruit trees, which are the, the orangutan's main food source. And creation of more and more palm oil plantations also fragments the orangutan habitat. So the patches of forest that are left are separated by roads and the plantations. So this makes it difficult for the orangutans to get from one patch of forest to another to find food or to find a mate. Um, so orangutans are arboreal. So 
they don't want to come down out of the trees uh, to cross an area on land. And it's very dangerous for them to cross plantations because they're seen as a threat or a nuisance and they are usually shot. Um, so with all this fragmentation and the need to find different routes to get where they wanna go, the orangutan's mental maps of the forest get really screwed up. And then their survival skills are compromised and they can't properly teach their babies. Then there's the fires, right? So the orangutans are at risk from the fires that are set to clear the land. So when a palm oil plantation is going to be created, they go in and they cut down all the trees first and then just burn, right? To really clear it. So the fires are a problem and they can get out of control. Um, so the orangutans really suffer. Um, it's very scary to get trapped in a fire, but they're also suffering from smoke pollution. And then, you know, there's just a burnt landscape. If they do survive, they're out there, um, you know, in this desolate area and, and they become displaced and, you know, they may starve. Um, the next problem is the roads that are created when a plantation is created, right? We need the roads to go in and out with the trucks in and out. So now these new roads are making the orangutans more accessible to poachers who want to kill or capture orangutans. It's just even easier for them to get straight into the forest. And as orangutans are moving to avoid all these problems, they come into closer contact with villages. And this causes human orangutan conflicts because the villagers are maybe afraid of the orangutans or they um, rightly so are very concerned about uh, their livelihood and their crops. And you know, if the orangutans are coming to eat their crops, they don't want the orangutans there. So it becomes um, really hard as the orangutans are pushed further and further out of the forest. They're getting closer and closer to people, more and more problems. So uh, orangutan outreaches partner uh, our partners in Indonesia, they rescue orangutans from these conflict situations. You know, if they're displaced or they're in danger or if they're being kept as pets. And our goal is to get them all back to the forest where they belong. But with the palm oil industry destroying more and more forest, there's less suitable habitat remaining for future reintroduction of rescued orangutans. So there are thousands of orangutans in rehabilitation centers and there's simply not enough space to release them. And the other thing, and perhaps you talked about this with orangutan, um, life cycle and a part of their ecology is that they have a very slow reproductive rate. So females are about 13 to 15 years old when they first reproduce and they will only have a baby every eight or nine years. Orangutans stay with their mother for that long because it takes that long to learn everything they have to learn about the forest, right? So uh, an orangutan, will not be susceptible to mating until that baby is eight or nine years old and then she may mate again and have another baby um, but that span of eight to nine years in between means that 
a female orangutan may only have three or four offspring in her lifetime. So that means orangutans are already vulnerable to extinction as their populations just, they don't naturally grow uh, quickly. So the added pressure now caused by the palm oil industry makes it you know, almost impossible for orangutans to survive as a species. So, so it, it's really affecting the orangutans more than other animals. And that's part of the reason why orangutans have kind of become the face of the palm oil crisis, kind of like polar bears, um, people associate with the climate crisis, right? So orangutans, you know, they're also their megafauna and they're charismatic and, you know, they're beautiful, but they also really are being affected. And that's why they've kind of become the face of, of the palm oil crisis. Thank you for, for kind of hitting on all that. And you started to kind of lead a little bit into our next question. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit more, but what kind of impact is this industry having on um, the local people of Southeast Asia? Right. So the people living in the area are also affected by the pollution of air and water, just as animals are. Um, you know, that needs to be addressed. But we also have to talk about um, their livelihoods. And I, I did mention that before. Anytime you are talking about conservation, people have to be part of the equation. So no matter what animal you're trying to save, conservation is about people. If you do not meet the needs of the people living alongside the wildlife, your conservation efforts are going to fail. So we really do have to um, concern ourselves with the people who are living in Southeast Asia on the islands of Borneo and Sumatra, you know, right up against palm oil plantations. And how does that affect them? And how does that change their relationship with the forest and therefore their relationship with the wildlife? Millions of people are employed by the palm oil industry but it's not necessarily a great job. It, harvesting on plantations is extremely difficult, very physical labor, and sometimes the workers are not compensated well. But for many people, it's their only option for a job. Um, but it's not necessarily making their lives better to be associated with the palm oil industry. They might not be making much money. Um, it might just be very difficult work for them. And the, and the palm oil is a billion dollar industry and it's very important to the economies of Indonesia and Malaysia, but the money is not trickling down to the villagers um, and to the villages that really need help. So, you know, it, it could be better. It, it could be much better. So that's probably the biggest impact of the people there is that they're surrounded by the palm oil industry and there's just no way to, to avoid it. You either work for the palm oil industry or someone in your family does. Like, I mean, just everybody I've ever met has some connection there. Yeah. So that that's the biggest problem is that uh, there's this industry and it's, supposed to be creating all these great jobs and it people being impacted. And so we've talked about how the, the local people are impacted. 
Um, so the, the people in Southeast Asia are in the last zone, you know, of the palm oil industry, so to speak. But we are all being impacted. So, okay, follow me here. The palm oil industry is destroying forests. The forests, of course, are full of trees that produce oxygen, store carbon dioxide, and help control climate. Um, you know, forests play a really important role in our planet's carbon cycle. So deforestation causes carbon absorption to stop, plus the carbon stored in the trees is released into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide when the wood is burned. And when areas of peat swamp forest are destroyed, huge amounts of carbon dioxide is released since peat is a very significant carbon store. All this uh, greatly contributes to global warming, which is a part of climate change. And of course, people around the world are being greatly affected by climate change um, as global warming destabilizes weather systems. So we're seeing more intense storms, more intense hurricanes, more intense tornadoes, more intense winter storms, um, you know, storms causing major destruction. You know, we have seen very dangerous heat waves. Um, you know, the UK just went through an incredible heat wave that they've never seen anything like it before, you know, and then we have events such as drought and, and failed harvests and, you know, on and on. So, you know, this isn't all on the palm oil industry, of course, but, you know, it, it is playing a big part. So just to kind of give a bigger picture to people who may say, well, why should I care about orangutans? Well, maybe you don't, you know, uh, you know, that you don't think they have any intrinsic value. Um, that's okay. I, I disagree. <laughs> I think they're incredible animals. And just because they're beautiful, sentient beings, we should save them. But the other part of it is we're all connected. And we need orangutans to have healthy forests. They are the gardeners of the forest. They are seed dispersers. They are helping the forest regenerate and more trees to grow. And the way they make their nests and push down branches lets the light get in um, from the top of the canopy down to the forest floor. So orangutans are needed for healthy forests. And the planet needs healthy forests, right? Because we as a human population need a healthy planet. And so it's all connected. So yeah, you know, you need to care about not just the orangutans, but all the biodiversity in a rainforest because it's all there for a reason. Every bit of it every plant and animal plays a very important role in keeping that forest um, healthy and doing what forests can do for the environment. So um, yeah, just think that's a, a really important point is that thousand percent. Yeah. We're, we're all affected, even though we live, you know, 9,000 miles away from the area that we're talking about. So hopefully everyone will, you know, want to do their part to help the forests. And that way you're helping orangutans too. Yeah. 
I really loved a lot of points that you brought up there because it's something we talk a lot about on the Birdie Bunch podcast is about how conservation isn't necessarily like uh, an issue of like these horrible things that are happening. It's things that are happening to people in communities. Like those are those people are just as impacted as the wildlife that people are always so scared is going to be extinct. And right. it's really important to advocate for people, who, you know, who are duly impacted. So right. what kinds of things can we do here in the Midwest to advocate for people and kind of aid in reducing palm oil consumption? You know, as I mentioned, palm oil can be produced sustainably. Totally. Um, so, you know, that would start with using degraded land for plantations rather than continuing to destroy more forest. It also, sustainability also includes being environmentally responsible from the use of pesticides to controlling pollution from the mills. So another thing about plantations that are considered sustainable is they have a commitment to protect wildlife. So they don't harm the orangutans that wander into the plantations. And a lot of plantations are are doing this. They, they have um, changed their their methods and the way they operate and they are functioning more sustainably. So we just have to keep that pressure on. We have to put the pressure on the palm oil industry to function sustainably. We can contact palm oil manufacturers and purchasers and demand sustainable practices. We can write to companies that have palm oil in their products and demand that they use only certified sustainable palm oil. We can implore the Indonesian and Malaysian governments to stop allowing destruction of rainforests. You know, just really let your voice be heard on the issue. Um, but really, we're we're in a crisis situation, and we we don't have time to wait. The palm oil industry is working towards sustainability, um, but it has a long way to go. So now, urgently. <laughs> We need to be helping the wildlife that is affected. And that's something, like you said, even people in the Midwest, yeah, you can still help and you can still make a difference and help the wildlife that is on the other side of the world. Um, people can support the rescue and rehabilitation centers that are, are caring for these displaced and orphaned orangutans. Um, you can do that through orangutan outreach. And it is also, vital to support reforestation efforts. You know, we must protect existing forests and regrow areas that have been destroyed. We have to mitigate the damage that has been done. Um, so orangutan outreach has been around for 15 years and we've always focused on the rescue, rehabilitation, and release of orangutans back to the forest. Um, and now, and we've always supported our partners in Indonesia with their um, reforestation efforts. But we've realized, and the partners have realized, that reforestation is critical right now. It's critical for the orangutans and it's critical for the planet. So orangutan outreach has begun a reforestation campaign and we're supporting all our partners in the areas they are in in the different areas of borneo and in sumatra all of them in one way or another are working on reforestation and you know Brittany, to your point of how can we help 
the people. The wonderful thing about the reforestation is it's all done by the villagers. This is local communities who are getting involved. Our partners are going to the communities. They're explaining what they want to do. And the communities are in charge. And in many cases, it's all women, you know, leading the charge here. So groups of women are doing, um, you know, the nurseries and planting the seedlings and the maintenance. Maintenance is so important. You can't just plant a tree and walk away. You need to maintain it and, you know, protect it for like three to five years and do fire mitigation. You know, you don't want to plant a whole swath of forest and then it's wiped out in the next fire season, right? So there is so much to be done um, and the villages are doing it. So it's a great way to um, support the local people. Uh, and again, if we don't give them an alternative livelihood, they're going to the forest and getting the resources from the forest, whether they're cutting it down or they're hurting the animals because they have no other choice, right? So we are giving them that alternative um, lifestyle and livelihood and also putting them in charge. You know, this is, this is their forest, right? So they want to protect it. They want to play a part. So for any of your listeners who support reforestation efforts know that you're helping people, you're helping communities, you're helping poor villages, you're helping the animals, you know, you're helping the orangutans. So it, it's really great. And, um, palm oil and whether or not products are sustainable and all that, it, it's, it's also confusing and it's also difficult to know what to do. But a no-brainer is support reforestation because getting the trees back is what we need. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's a win-win all around. So you kind of just mentioned on pe like the people who want to help and who are listening, who want to try to um, help in, in, in that reforestation things. Where are some resources that they can go to to be able to do so? Yep. I would um, have people go straight to the orangutan outreach website because we've tried to get all the information in one place, right? So the main um, website address is redapes.org. And you can go there and just start looking around. Or you can go straight to redapes.org backslash FAQS. For FAQ. So that's our frequently asked questions page. So there is a lot of information there about palm oil, um, but the page also answers questions about ways to help, how to get involved, and then it directs you to all the links that you need. So if you want to donate, the link's right there. If you want to symbolically adopt and orangutan, the link's right there. So everything really on the FAQs page can direct you out to the rest of the website. Or people can go straight to redapes.org backslash reforestation. So that brings you straight to our reforestation page. That explains a little bit more why we're taking this huge initiative, why it's so important to reforest. And again, donate button right there if you want to. And all the money that comes in 
to orangutan outreach, if it's on a specific page, so if it's on the reforestation page, it is allocated to reforestation. So it's not like each donate button on our um, website goes to one big bucket. We really do allocate if you have decided you want to support orangutan releases and you make a donation on the release page, then that's what it's for. If you want to support rehabilitation, then that's what it's for. So that reforestation page, um, the money would go straight to our partners. And, and there's a description of the areas that we're helping to reforest. Um, so yeah, I would suggest people start there. And, you know, you can also just kind of follow along with us on social media and we try to update everybody about the projects that are going on and try to, um, you know, keep that the positive, like, like progress is being made. We are doing good things. It's not all doom and gloom. So sometimes we have to tell the tough stories, but we're always going to update you about where your contributions have gone and what your donations have done because you know when we really get right down to it conservation needs funding and it needs yeah. a lot of it <laughs> so that's just the oh reality. my gosh too true yeah um yeah i i really appreciate you being on the podcast i mean this is our spooky season as you know debbie so we got into <laughs> some spooky topics oh uh, yeah with, with deforestation and I'm glad we ended on a bright note with reforesting and kind of finding some resources. I'm really glad that we ended up there. Absolutely, so, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. And uh, yes. we'll jump back to the rest of the episode. Yeah, thank you pleasure. so much. Thanks. Thanks so much to Debbie Clemens for coming on the Birdie Bunch podcast. and chatting to us all about the orangutans and some of the really uh, interesting things and kind of sad things that are going on with them. But to kind of pull us back to our spooky times, let's uh, find ourselves on our social medias. Where can y'all be found? Y'all can find me on the gram at Matt Valga. That's M-A-T-T-V's and Victor A-L-I-G-A. And um, I have a feeling you'll probably be seeing some Halloween maybe related content. Hopefully, once my insects all get pinned, there might be some cool bug-related content, too. I've got particularly a cool beetle called the Goldenrod Longhorn Beetle that is a mimic of wasps. So it's this really cool black-and-white banded beetle with these super long antenna. Um, so whenever that stuff kind of gets around to it, I will definitely be sharing stuff like that. But yeah, y'all can find me there. You can also find me on Instagram at the Brittany Bunch, T H E B as in bird, R I T T A N Y underscore B as in boogeyman, U N C H. And yeah, you'll probably get some some Halloween content, maybe some pumpkin carving. We'll see. Uh, but you can check me out there. I loved B as in boogeyman. That was a good one. I really enjoyed that. Um, you can also find me on the social means at cj.greco. That is cj.greco. You can find all of us collectively on the social medias at the Birdie Bunch Podcast. You can visit our website, thebirdiebunchpodcast.com, where, again, we have a merch code going. So visit our merch store. Yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. We have a discount code. Use the code SPOOKY2022. Uh, again, I always say that our spooky merch and spooky bunch is like an excellent time for the Brady Bunch podcast. So if you've been enjoying any of these episodes, now is a perfect time to support us. If you're like 
CJ, I don't need any merch. I have so many clothes. I get it. Frankly, me too. If if instead you're like, I still want to give you guys money. Well, that'd be awesome. You can visit our Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the Birdie Bunch podcast. And that is truly the best way to support us. Um, if you know you are loving the content and you want to show it to us, please do. If you're like, CJ, oh my gosh, I can't. Uh, I have no money. Uh, it's, I get it. We don't have money either. So what we request is that you just share this podcast with a friend. If you really have learned something on the Birdie Bunch podcast, it's the perfect place to share. Spooky season is coming to a close. Maybe as a spooky thing you can do, you can share a spooky episode with your spooky friend. Anyway, leave a review. Visit our website. Follow us on social media. Share with a friend. That's about it. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Gabe Anderley for being a patron. I didn't even say thanks. Thanks, Gabe. Um, that's about it, folks. We have one more episode of the Spooky Bunch left, so get excited. Next week is my favorite episode of the Spooky Bunch. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Anyway, we'll catch you next time. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Hooray! You know what? I've decided that we are going to be the first organization in the history of the world to have sub-Antarctic Rayadito merge. That's right. It's going on the Spooky Bunch design. What? The bird. I bet there's already merch for it. Do you think you're the first one? Stop Yo, trying to be special. This thing's th that makes our podcast special. That's stop not try, just me. That's happen. Thanks so much, all you nature lovers, for listening to yet another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would especially like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our art for our episodes, as well as Connor Whitman for producing our music. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination. Chrissy, wake up!